2: Welcome, welcome to the program, players and pimpins, pimpins and players. That's right. This is the X-Man podcast. I'm your host, Doc Coyle. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. My apologies for taking a one-week sabbatical. I guess it was coincidental, more or less, that it coincided with Christmas, holiday, and But it mainly had to do with the fact that I was moving and it was a big move to a certain degree where we were coming from a bigger house. We kind of expanded to my girlfriend and I, and then we were going to, it's not a small apartment, I would say, but small (laughs) comparatively to all the stuff we had where my girlfriend had basically a, a place set up with a bunch of stuff in it that I had all my stuff, she had all her stuff. And then we had to, basically by the time we got everything in the place, every inch of the apartment was like filled to the top with boxes and just stuff. And so it's taken us about a week just to semi unpack. We're still kind of midway through the, I would not say midway, we've made a great impact today. Now we have a kitchen, which is exciting. It's like, oh, we have a kitchen with appliances that we can use and don't have to order out every night. So it's exciting. We moved to Long Beach, California. So I was a little more I was centrally located in Los Angeles for six years. Well, over six years I've, I've lived there. So now I'm a little out out on the outskirts, but I'm looking forward to it. Please know, don't stalk me. Don't ask for my, my address. I won't tell you. Maybe if you're around here in the LBC, you see Doc Cole on the streets give him the brother nod, you know, you know, you just see a brother, just give him a, you know, you just lift chin. It's pretty, it's pretty straightforward, but I hope everyone had a great holiday. One thing that is interesting about being off the road and not touring was I was able to absorb the holiday spirit. I listened to more Christmas music, watch more Christmas movies <laughs> than I have in years. And so it was, it was a, I was able to, Absorb that vibe but i'd say one thing me and my girlfriend we didn't buy presents for anyone because we were so wrapped up in the move it was quite an undertaking and but but part of it it's it's funny because when you have to deal with stuff and then you move it kind of it makes you very keenly aware of what you have and why you have it and do you need it and it's Brought me to this this idea about I, I really wish the custom of gift giving as, as we do it in our culture, which is inherently like the point is to surprise someone. I mean, obviously, if it's their birthday, it's Christmas, they know they might get something. But the point is not to just go up to them and go, hey, what do you want for blank? We have to show that our gift giving talent is that we can kind of guess what they want. But the truth is, this doesn't work all the time. So uh, probably about half the time or more, people end up giving things as, you know, to be nice and all for the right reasons to someone that people don't use, but then they feel bad about getting rid of it. So it just stays in their house. And I have so many things, cards, knickknacks, what have you, t-shirts, and I just wish it kind of would end. I wish there was a way that we could tell our friends and family that we love them that doesn't involve items and things. And I don't know, it just got me thinking about that cycle of manufacturing stuff and using natural resources and throwing stuff in the garbage and, you know, just looking through all the stuff we have. It's just, it's just so much crap. And, when I moved cross country, I really thought about the utilitarian ideal of this is what I need. And I, and I get it. Life shouldn't be just about utilitarianism. There's a, a place for frivolity and art. And I don't know, just the, the I guess the, the, the playfulness of, of, of enjoying objects to whatever degree you, you, you have. But I just think it's a, odd social pressure that actually creates just all this excess crap and it's just stuff we just don't need and we put pressure on ourselves to do that for other people and i I really think the holiday is for children and we should make sure kids they let them get the stuff but (laughs) it's just something i would i would love to evolve beyond hopefully one day we shall see something to think about for the new year and it is it is it is coming soon everyone but that's my i don't know if that's a ba humbug I, I, don't, I don't think that is like i said, I was in the spirit this year i was singing the songs i watch all my favorite movies got them on dvd see more stuff but uh actually in terms of stuff here, here's what i've collected i've gotten many guitars this year but like i said utility got to use them if i don't use them they got to go out the door Shoes, I only bought like four pairs of shoes, and I'm getting rid of some. And then 4K Blu-rays. But they don't take up much space. It's like a couple little... It's not that big of a deal. So that's it. Pretty sure. I don't, and people keep... And I'll say this, I have some You know, some bands who support the show. They'll send me some stuff. You guys don't have to send me stuff. And I know you want to promote the band. You want to see me in the shirt, make a post about it. all that. It's great. I'll wear it once or twice. I'll probably never wear it again. I have too much shit as is. I need to, you know... Trimming down in the new year—that's what we're doing. Got to travel light, you know. You got to, you got to, got to let. You know, I, I hate to be a, a Fight Club quote factory, but uh, you know, the two ones right, like uh, you work a job, you hate to buy shit you don't need, or you know, the things you own end up owning you. I think all of that has a little bit of in- inherent truth, even removed from the Fight Club lore. My people. We have a show sponsor this week, okay? This is pretty exciting. It's a band called Ten Thousand Crows. You hear what I'm saying? And we're gonna play a song entitled
0: The Moon. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMs. It wasn't just a radio station; it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for Stop sure. Do you like this? Get Down! The Wrath of the buzzer.
1: The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P.R.O.H. Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.
0: Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King, in off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course, provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.
1: Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you.
2: so that was 10 thousand crows with their new track entitled the moon and they are a two piece horror inspired core band <laughs> from sydney australia they're they're pretty brand new they launched just this year i have to say i think that track was a banger had that energy had that kind of fierce production there loved the vocals got kind of got me Amped up, and this is pretty cool. Sorry, I touched the mic there. <laughs> it's funny, they they told they're like, it's for fans of Bring Me the Horizon, Heaven Shall Burn, Parker Drive. Like, you know what? People listen to this, they they know they know what, 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 that, what that shit's about. They heard that shit. They were like, you know what? Ready to smash a motherfucker upside his head. Uh, so that track it's the third track they've ever released, and it's part of a five part tarot card. Uh, project called Macabre Arcana. Hope I'm saying that correctly. And you know, you can go on anywhere where you you stream music. You guys know the places, Spotify, Apple Music, but I actually went over to the band's Bandcamp and, and it's cool because you can see all the artwork for the three tracks. One's called The Hangman," and you have The Empress. And if you go over there, it's 10kcrows.bandcamp.com and it's ten the number ten k, but the actual if you're looking up the band anywhere, it's ten thousand crows separate words spelled out. But I really enjoyed that, and you guys should go check out the band, support them, check out the other tracks. I'm gonna check out the other tracks because I like that one so much. Make me wanna stab somebody right up in their jugular. I'm getting all violent with my language here. It's not it's not healthy. I think I've been unpacking boxes for too long, losing my mind. Anyway, if you would like to sponsor the show, hit me up, drop in the DMs, send me a message, the x podcast at gmail.com. And also, like I said, I'm starting to try and answer some 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 questions from you guys at the end of the show. So send me some questions or you know, show guests requests. It's all good. Hit me up, people. I'm here for you. Uh, right now. Because of the move and everything, I'm actually kind of behind on interviews and stuff. But once I'm settled in here, which will be pretty, pretty soon, I'm going to be back to the grind. So you might have to kind of sponsor a show to be determined. So um, I have I have people asking requests now, but I'm out of slots because I'm running out of shows I have done. And that happens sometimes. It's okay. But, but just, just hit me up. Reach out. It's going to be a big year for the show. I got I got a lot of stuff, in in, in the noggin, uh, ready ready to go. So I'm 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 excited. Anyway, without further ado, let's talk a little bit about our guest. Uh, his name is Andrew Tukacich. He's a drummer for, I guess one of the biggest metalcore bands in the world, The Ghost Inside. And the interesting thing about Andrew and myself is, I was not super familiar with the band, until. I heard about their bus crash which is I'm sure if you're listening to this you probably know about it. it was got a ton of uh press and a lot of bands in their scene raised a lot of money to to help them out with their with their situation and Andrew lost a leg or you know part of his leg excuse me and somehow figured out how to play drums again and Chris Kane, who plays guitar in Bad Wolves, used to play in a band with Andrew. So he had connections with them. And so I got invited to their reunion show in Los Angeles, which was insane and was cool because several members of the band had a familiarity with my work. And so they were super welcoming to me. And that was really cool. And it was just, it was an amazing event. I, I, I really can't overstate how special it seemed to see a, a metal core band have like 10,000 people, however, however many people were at the show. It was really insane. And we met that day and just became kind of quick buddies and have, have stayed in touch and talked about doing the show. So I, I thought it would be amazing to kind of tell his story and you'll, you'll hear in the interview how interesting and amazing and just, yeah, so it's, it's a really mind blowing thing. So I'm, like I was trying to do, I try and keep the show diverse, somewhat touching on different uh, musicians and people from different genres and, and corners of this heavy music, independent music world that we're a part of. And and I couldn't be happier to get Andrew on the show, I and mean, he's he's quickly becoming like one of my one of my new homies. So I'm not I'm gonna stop blathering on. I'm gonna get to the conversation. So please check out this great conversation with the awesome talented and just you know bad badass motherfucker andrew takachek i don't know i feel you know like like my background's pretty sick you know
1: but set dressed
2: yeah you know about oh, the vibes the lighting i know man it's like i feel like we should be like uh listening to some rave music or dropping some ease or something you know right. It's pretty ravey in here. Yeah, it's
1: pretty it's pretty synthy in here. <laughs> synth,
2: synth waved out. Uh, well, Leo, thank you so much for for taking your time to be on the program. I apologize. I'm hungover because because oh. Halloween because yeah. I couldn't leave. Me and my gr- girlfriend both got coronavirus. Like what? Go, yeah. So I've been literally been stuck at home. So damn. Anyway. Sorry, do you still have
1: do you still have side effects?
2: Um, yesterday was the first day I didn't wake up feeling any like, because the main thing is just like, like the first few days, it's like fever and it's fucking over the top. It's everything you can think of. And then for me, at least it like all that went away and then you're just kind of stuck with all these, like the cough stays and weird sinus stuff. And, you know, you're just tired and, you know, just random kind of things just uh, permeate and kind of keep keep happening
1: and um, you're you're in la right i am are you now i'm in michigan michigan that's where you're from right it's cold as shit.
2: well it's it's so weird because i was like looked it up you know i do my little bit amount of research i do for for these shows yeah. uh and it's and it's funny because like ghost inside is known as an la band but but because of the connection because zach is from iowa yeah. And you're you're from Michigan, and then I think about the connection with Chris, our guitar player. I think of Ghost Inside as like this Midwest band. Yeah. But I don't <laughs> but some you know, Chris was in my old band with me. Yeah, I know. I had you know, when 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 looking this up, I was like, damn, like you were in actually I, I took a screenshot of the Wikipedia of For the Fallen Dreams of all the members and sent it to Chris.
1: Yeah. That's fucking insane, man.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's imp- I mean it, I mean, it's a total like hardcore scene, metalcore scene thing. Like, if you look at like uh, like Norma Jean,
1: yeah, that's was, it's literally who I was gonna say was. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: it's it's just a thing, and I don't, you know, and I and I come from the complete opposite. Like, God forbid, had the same five people for twelve years, and then, we, and then we had one one ma- member change, and it was like even that was like devastating, you know. <laughs>
1: Just the one was crazy yeah yeah
2: well it's it's you know because because to me i I don't, I don't know if it's something different between the mentality you know because i came up in the hardcore scene but i never stopped feeling like a metalhead is that does that, does that, does that make sense
1: yeah well, i'm i've i've always been the same way i to be honest with you i fucking hate hardcore what do you mean you hate hard? What, what do you hate about hardcore hate the mentality which is just just like just like uh If if a lot of uh, there's a lot of like too cool for school stuff going on, yes, yes, way too much, and I don't know elitism, gatekeeper stuff. Like I just, I don't care about that shit. I want to be a a fucking rock band. I want to move on. We we all mature, you know. Yeah,
2: well, it's it's interesting because it's uh, in many ways it kind of teaches you about the kind of internal politics of any community, you know because. Part of the reason why we, God forbid, ended up getting the hardcore scene was it was the one place, well, one, we we, we just liked the mu- the music. You know, the I first like show Sh- Sh- I went to was like Kandiria and all these like really cool, like every band was different. There'd be like a tough guy band and then like a grindcore band and a mathy band and a weird, and it was just like, so it was, a, it was eclectic and diverse. Um, And I was just like, whatever this is, this is fucking cool. Um, But... His it
1: gosh, a, it's an East Coast band, right?
2: Wasn't it from New Jersey? Yeah,
1: I thought, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And but it was the reason why we were so into it was because it was like the first one place you could play where you didn't have to sell tickets, but you had to like permeate this, uh, this like I said this this internal politics of like elbow rubbing and getting to know these people and befriending this group of people and hanging out with this band ba- and you know it kind of teaches you how to, how these systems work to like if you know to kind of just get get through i don't know if that makes any any sense
1: it does it does make sense yeah it's just i mean i've just had so many bad experiences with uh because because i'm super not that type of guy i've had bad experiences with like even in past bands and stuff like run-ins with nothing like no i never got like jumped or beat up or any. i never like talked shit or anything like that like I've I've seen it happen but it's never happened to me but I've seen it happen to friends and I've seen it happen and it's just like I don't want to be any I don't want to have any fucking part of this shit. This yeah. Is, I just want to play tunes and watch other I love like hardcore as like a genre like the music I love the music for sure. But like yeah just that just that mentality and shit is I'm just over it man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean we you know that's what really turned us off. To it was the violence, um, especially at the shows. I mean, there was a, a viral video in early YouTube of, of a girl getting like jumped and kicked in the face at a God forbid show, and the show ended up getting shut down since 1999, I want to say, or 2000. But that was like every show, and we literally we made this album called Reject the Sickness in '99, and it was very metalcore, very like beat down parts and all about and that and the. Those are the people that liked us, and then the next album we went super technical, super fast, thrashy, and it, part of that was like a almost visceral response to like get away from that vibe, you know? Yeah. yeah. Because because we for us it was all about the music. It was like it, it was great that people are moshing and having fun and all that, but yeah, the energy.
1: Just- but like, God, sometimes it's just it's <laughs> such a disaster. <laughs> so. so so I was trying to, like, you know,
2: kind of look at your your career and, and, and get a, a sense of kind of, like, where you've been, you know. So you were with For the Fallen Dreams. Is that, like, your original band, your, like, high school band, quote-unquote?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it dates all the way back to high school. Like, uh, shit, maybe even my, like, sophomore year, like, 2003, 2002, 2003. Yeah. I was, like, 15 or 16 when we started it.
2: Well, there's this really cool. And I'm, I'm actually bummed. I, I saw this probably 20 minutes before I started speaking to you. There's a four-part podcast uh, called "1,333 Days," and I just started listening to a little oh, bit yeah. of it. And it's great. And it covers all. And so, to some degree, maybe I'm glad I didn't. I didn't listen to it because maybe it probably would have answered a lot of the questions
1: <laughs> I'd have for you. But it, I don't know if have you listened to this. Yeah, the one the one we just did, yeah, with. Uh, oh, is this, did this just come out? Um, uh, no, it's been a few weeks now. Well, actually, shit, it's been like a month. God, man, I don't know. Okay. I'm I'm so out of whack, and I just don't <laughs> what which way's up in this you know dumpster fire of a year. <laughs> yeah, I think but it's the
2: been a month now, yeah. But the first episode is is called the grind, you know, and it's about you know just essentially what people like you and myself totally understand, which is taking an independent band. From nothingness to somethingness through just, yeah, touring and sleeping on floors and making no money and having the van break down and borrowing money from your parents and for, or whatever you know we all kind of have to have have to deal with this. So is, is, am I uh, correct and probably assuming that that's probably was the for the fallen dreams years was basically that the, the grind. Yeah, you basically ticked every box there,
1: and I, <laughs> it's like that. And, and people, you know. People will ask, like, what? Well, how do you? How do you get signed? That's a big one that a lot of like, you know, aspiring artists ask is, how do you get signed? How do you get a label? And it's like, how do you get? It's like, literally everything you just said is some is stuff you have to be willing to do. <laughs> is sleeping in sketchy people's like uh, one bedroom apartments with like nine cats. Do you have the? Do you have the one like most disgusting place? Because I I have one. Oh my god! I have so many yeah i don't i don't i could it probably would take me a minute to think of my like end all be all one yeah we reached a point where we just said
2: no more staying with strangers we just hit you hit a point we're just like nah we're we're gonna spend the 50 dollars on the uh motel six and all sneak
1: when when we're like young as shit we don't care yeah they're like literally just like free spirits just living. who cares let's just fucking rip gigs and yeah but now then you get older and you're like okay i'm not i'm not staying in fucking ed gean's house again (laughs) well some bands will do they'll have
2: you know especially if you're like a four-piece right you can basically actually so if you're a four-piece you can basically have two techs and then everyone gets a bench and then someone sleeps in the front seat and the and the driver's seat and then you could sleep in the van which is what some bands do but once you get more than like if you're a five-piece once you get more than two W- one person that works for you then you can't sleep in the van anymore
1: yeah and uh you know with for the fallen dreams no we never had never had techs we would maybe have a merch guy usually we would just do it though we'd like be like your turn to sell tonight I mean, fuck we yeah it's like we would rotate driving but i uh Man, uh, speaking of sleeping in vans, that was like my that was my jam. I was uh, growing up. I'm not. I don't have it so much anymore. But I was always allergic to fucking cats and like cat dander and dog hair and like everyone who had pets. When we would stay at weirdos' houses, you know, I would be like, "Oh, they got three cats. Yeah, I'm sleeping in the van." It's oh, it's three degrees in Milwaukee in January. Sweet, I'll sleep in the van still. Yeah, but sometimes sleeping in the van was kind of cool because you're like, you have the van to yourself. You know, you get some alone
2: time <laughs> Back bench
1: and just up in nine nine sleeping bags and that's it. My <laughs> place.
2: So um for the fall dreams had some success, I guess whatever that means at, at, at that level, right?
1: Yeah, FTFD got to uh I think probably I would say two thousand eight. That was the year. We released a record that was on a legit label, but we, we were signed with Rise at that time, and we released uh, debut album, Changes. And um, that record, I mean, it went on to be critically acclaimed. <laughs> 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 no, but people... 5Ks, crying, baby? 5Ks? Maybe. I <laughs> probably not. I don't know. but 5Ks is hard, man. That's like very... Yeah, they don't it, just dole those out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, but I mean, I think, I think a lot of people really liked that record and it it was just like a i wouldn't say it was like anything new but it was a new take on mixing heavy and melodic and it and it uh the way we did it people seemed to really like it and it's there seemed to be a lot of bands that that kind of took after that sound as well in that like 2008 to 2010 era um there was a lot of bands coming up that were starting to adopt that kind of same sound we were doing
2: yeah, and it's interesting because it's not dissimilar from what The Ghost Inside ultimately ended up doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, we both kind of came up at the exact same time. Like, the first Ghost Inside record came out same year. It was their for debut, and they were on Media Scare at the time. And, like, we, you know, we were from Michigan. They're from L.A. But we, like, uh, we toured together. Like, we toured. It was, like, For, uh, for the Fallen Dreams, Ghost Inside, Bury Your Dead, uh 2008 and like that was the so we we met each other's bands within the first year we were like touring heavily and had records out so we were two similar style bands that came up together and we were like already friends so yeah that was kind of just like a cool coincidence well there's this
2: you know i kind of equate this you know and it's it's weird because we you know we call it the hardcore scene but by that point it was Probably more the metalcore scene, just sonically. I don't mean like culturally.
1: Yeah, I would say sonically as well.
2: Um, culturally, it's always the hardcore scene or the scene or whatever. Um, but but it seems like there's these generations, almost like like high school graduating classes, right? Yeah. And there was this odd dividing line that essentially, if your metalcore band came out before a certain time, if you didn't get to a certain level of success, right? If you weren't Kill Switch if you weren't azaleigh dying there was like a cutoff where it just for some reason some of those other bands were not as well embraced by the next generation of metalcore fans so so to yeah. me that that dividing line was like you had parkway drive um uh, august burns red oh, yeah. right so that those like that era if you came out with those group of bands, then you were basically allowed to survive into this next phase, right? And then, so, so added, and for, like I said, for some reason, certain bands could do well across that board, like uh, an Asley Dying or something like that. Uh, but all of a sudden, you had bands like Darkest Hour and Unearth and God Forbid, right? Who were kind of falling off. But then all of a sudden, really that next wave and then you could put you know of mice and men in there you put ghosts inside in there i'm trying to, i'm trying to think of uh some other but a lot of a lot of the bands that kind of came out architects i guess you can kind of put in that in that wave you know all of a sudden th- these are the biggest bands ever in the genre you know like i mean parkway drive now is as big as like fucking slayer or some shit like it makes it's crazy it's wild you Know and then you look at what you guys did with your reunion show. <clears throat> you know, I heard uh, have heart like they did some show. I don't know if it was a reunion show, I don't really know much about the band, but in in Worcester, they played outside and drew like 10,000 people or something. Yeah. And I'm and and the thing that was crazy was like in my mind, it was like, well, a metalcore band can't get that big because it's too heavy, right? So, so in my mind, I was like, it had to be like a kill switch, right? Who has these big. Melodic choruses that can reach non-hardcore scene people, yeah, right? No on, just mainstream rock. But radio. then something changed. Like so, since you were kind of more in in it, I mean, did you? Is it just that there's a whole new new generation of young people who like embrace heavy music that allowed this next generation of bands to get so much bigger? Dude,
1: I think that could be a huge contributing factor to it. I think maybe. Maybe it's just generations and like, you know, you know, I'm 33, you know, I I don't have kids yet, but my friends have kids that are old enough to like start liking music and knowing what they like. So like, I think it's just, we're starting to see people embrace the heavier stuff. That's not maybe accepted when we were like way younger in the scene, like that, that stuff's starting to be accepted more now because just, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, like we, there's younger people, there's younger people coming up with like younger parents.
2: So yeah. maybe
1: it's just, maybe that's, that has an effect on why it's becoming like more accepted now, but you that's a, that's a good point. Like it, it, it totally is. Like you start, we're seeing like metal core and hardcore stuff in like commercial things in media now, even. And it's just, you see it more and more and you're like, what the fuck? Like, I know those guys. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. Well, just, I just, I just felt like when, I was doing what I was doing with God forbid, there seemed to be a, a real like cap on how big a certain kind of how big a certain kind of band could get. And the only way you could get beyond that was to be a lamb of God. Or that you had you had to cross over into like the real metal scene because there were more, there oh. were just more people there, you know. Oh. Uh, and and before that, you know, probably the biggest hardcore band was Hatebreed absolutely you know so hate breed was the biggest one that you know they were on a major label they you know they i think did uh I'm trying, i don't think i trying to think if the first album went like, gold right now but as i'm sure it'll probably eventually get there but sold you know in the hundreds of thousands of records they were the first hardcore band to tour with all these more mainstream acts like slipknot and things like that corn mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. so, so they they were really the the, uh, the the biggest groundbreaker for our generation, right? They opened the door so that us and Shadows Fall and, you know, and all all the new wave American heavy metal bands could kind of get, you know, get down. But all us, we all veered towards the metal side of things uh, in terms of, like, pushing the music and creatively and, and culturally, like, wanting to kind of grab that fan. But I feel like w- after that next generation, it became more of, like, a warp... Warp to our culture, right? <laughs> and you didn't have to go, all right, we have to be metal now. You could kind of just keep, and you see that with Ghost Inside's records, it's pretty consistent. It's not like, I mean, the band is definitely, gets more listenable. Like there's, you know, there's so, you guys are kind of peppering some melodic vocals underneath some screaming or even some stuff. So it's, it has that quality, but you don't, I don't feel like bands have to like, all right, we have to cross over now. Like you can be big enough just being heavy.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And yeah, like it's almost like you had to like almost 100% go for it and risk everyone going, "Oh, they sold out." And it works or it doesn't. I don't know. And it's some some bands have have tried to do that and it didn't work and then they just went back to like the old sound. Like I've you've seen that happen before a few times, but
2: yeah, going back to the old sound, that's a that's a great, you know, like a I was just watching a video. Uh, do, you, do you listen to F- uh, Finn McKenty, Punk Rock NBA? Oh, I love Finn. Yeah, yeah, I know Finn. He, he but he was talking about. Uh, I guess the new of Mice and Men was like going back to that. Like it's like the going back to our roots album. Oh yeah, okay. Which I received because <laughs> uh, no, I I heard I heard a few songs, um, but I guess a lot of bands in that genre. Right, you look at a band like them or Asking Alexandria when mm-hmm. more. It down the kind of active rock route you know trying to you know uh which you know is understandable you know and, and asking Alexandria actually has been very successful kind of completely revamping the way they sound and have and have found a new audience and it's worked out really well it doesn't always work for a lot of bands but it's worked out well for them
1: yeah that's wild like i'm trying to think of some other bands i've seen it like kind of go through those
2: motionless and white they they really crossed over you know they started kind of metalcore deathcore and have really crossed over into that realm you know i think atreyu is a band a good band that kind of is able to kind of straddle that line
1: yeah you know i heard that new atreyu song and i i dig it man i i saw i saw some ne- i mean you're gonna always see negative and positive feedback but it seemed like i was seeing like kind of a lot of negative feedback on that new atraya song i was like why do people why are people shitting on this this is well fun. they they, they oh, split
2: with alex and that's a that's a tough thing for fans you know that's you've had the same front man for
1: the band's been around for you know top man is the yeah yeah if, if vigil if vigil left our band, it'd be i'd be,
2: <laughs> be done it's hard i mean look at of mice and man i mean yep it's too especially when you lose someone who's charismatic good looking uh it, who be, who is kind of the visual uh branding to a certain degree yep. uh it's it's, it's tough yeah so i totally I, I i i totally get it um so why did why did you ultimately end up leaving for the fallen dreams and and how did the ghost inside thing come about
1: yeah i just uh i got to a point uh in the in for the fallen dreams where just i i was unhappy man i was uh you know, I wasn't, I wasn't making money and I've never been in this just to make money. But, you know, I think I was 22, 23 at the time. I was still really young, but I was like, I had like never made, almost never made a dollar off the band. And I was like, okay, at what point, <laughs> how long am I going to go with just like having to what you were talking about earlier? Like asking your parents, can I do like a hundred bucks just for the week? And fucking dude, I can't do that forever. And yeah. that's like, I have it's moralizing. Yeah, it is, and I had to, I had to get away from that, and that, that I was prepared to just be not not be in a band. I was prepared for the possibility to like uh, leave FTFD and not find anything else, and not not have a backup plan. But it turned out um, the ghost inside was and was looking for a drummer at the t- and uh, it worked out because, like I said, we had already like toured together in the past a few times. We already knew them. And I was like, that, that could be perfect because it's like, I already know those guys. So touring with them, it wouldn't be like weird having to get to know, you know, new people's personalities. And it's like, that could just transition really nicely. And it, and it, and it ended up working out like a month later, they called me, uh, uh, Aaron from the ghost inside called me and was like, yeah, we want to take you on tour. And, uh, I did my first tour with them. And, uh, I think it was February of 2011. And I had left FTFD in like December of 2010. So it it was only, yeah, it worked out pretty perfectly. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think I made the right decision. It was kind of the first time in my life as a young adult that I like, m- like made a decision for, to better myself. I've always been a person that like, you know, I don't want to say people pleaser, but like, I always like, am looking out for everyone else kind of, and like. I, I it was really, really hard for me to to leave that band, man. I started it with, I've known Jim, the guitar player, since kindergarten. We like grew up like lifelong friends. And it was it was hard for me to to tell him that I was stepping stepping away from the band, but I think I made the right decision in the end. And uh still friends with those guys. Uh I'm still I still make music. Uh Chad, the original singer for The Fallen Dreams, has another project he does called Legend. And he's yeah. doing, he's doing something cool soon with uh he's collaborating with a bunch of different people writers and producers and I've I did a song with him and I'm super super excited for that to be out there so they're still my buds man they're still my boys still talk to them all the time and yeah the the rest is history basically
2: was Ghost Inside's career at that point what was this was the state of it because clearly it was a step up but what was what where were they at kind of in terms of their business and how people were connecting with the band was it a significant
1: upgrade like that was noticeable right away it was pretty noticeable yeah because uh man i joined who i joined like right at the right time with with tgi because uh they were like I, i think my first tour with the band or maybe a second tour we were like shopping to all the all the labels we were like meeting in a different city every day of the tour with a different label we were shopping around uh, we were talking to different managers as well. And like, so I kind of joined the band right when we kind of got our current team together with like fly South management and epitaph. Those are the, those who we end up going with. And that's who our team has been since. And it's just been the best working relationship I could have possibly ever imagined with both with having our manager, John Youngman guide us and do our, do what he does for us. And, uh, having epitaph just go above and beyond to have our backs and not to mention it's like all of one of our favorite labels, you know, um, with all the, all the bands that have been on that label for years. And yeah, I mean, I, dude, I, (laughs) I joined at the right time. I I, I got, I got really lucky, man. Yeah. Well, uh,
2: before we get too far off, I kind of just want to talk real quick about what you said before about having that moment of, you know it sounds it depends how you kind of frame it but just actually being concerned for your own well-being and I I think there's an element of when you start a band really young and when you're not making money and you're literally just doing it because you love doing it and you love the people involved it's a really kind of selfless romantic version of, of 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 this thing that really everyone you know you're thinking about the greater good more than yourself and you hit that point in your life where you're like i don't don't have this basic thing that other people kind of have and once those things and you and it it happens as you get older where you're just like just being on the road isn't good enough just doing blank isn't good enough i i need a little more out of that but and it sucks because you do i think when you you, you, you do feel selfish right but ultimately if you don't take care of yourself no one else will and the problem is a lot of people settle right like they just they just take you know kind of they could just deal with the inadequacy but unfortunately you know and and for me once I started kind of making those decisions and saying you know I have to look out for myself because I can't count on this Mm-hmm. it kind of that's when everything in my life started to change and things started to get better because you know it just it's just, it just it's important to kind of take control you know of that and say I deserve more
1: 100 percent.
2: you know it's like and it, you know and, and yeah the part of it is selfish but selfish is surviving right that's you know there is there is an element of, of that of saying you know no one else is going to to make me happy I have to make myself happy I have to do the things that's you know it's their you know selfishness and assertiveness are kind of connected but you yeah. know, but it's something I, I just wanted to kind of you know put a spotlight on that because I think it's really important for people to hear that because you know and it's but it's a fine line right because there's sometimes you do want to be selfless and you do want to be part of be part of something that's bigger than yourself and uh and you don't and you can have a situation especially in a band where you have like four or five people who are just all out for their own personal goals
1: you know yep and and a lot of it too is like it's kind of uh you hit that point and you know when you hit that point of of needing to do the right thing for yourself and you you just like it can be scary and you gotta like you just gotta jump you just gotta take risk and you gotta you gotta go for it and and you know maybe maybe some people you know some people just kind of settle because they're afraid to take that jump and uh yeah it's it's tough man it's 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 scary it's dude it's so scary because there there was i was 17 fresh out of high school when i first went on tour we booked it ourselves through MySpace my senior year like in the final few months of my senior year played like four shows out of two weeks, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, you know, 17 years old, that's so fucking young man. And I can't believe my parents even allowed me to do it, but that was 2005 when I graduated to 2010 was my, the end of my time for the fallen dreams. So yeah, that first four years was the like romanticizing the like, this is just the life, the dream, this is I can't believe I'm doing this traveling, this and that. But then yeah, you I hit the point of like, shit. Like my friends are like, like at home, like getting married, and hey, they have they have steady jobs. They're like making money. I like have to eat McDouble's every night to survive. I, I have to like well, McDouble is
2: a great value. Okay, <laughs> it's, all it's, right, great price, money. tastes good. It's you know it's not. I mean it's killing you slowly, but it also is nourishing you while right. killing. You yeah
1: wow what a what an unhealthy lifestyle tour <laughs> with with no money insane but yeah dude it's just about dude you gotta take that you gotta take that leap and fucking take chances that's like an, that was like probably my biggest like life's turning point of taking a leap was was making that decision and it worked out for me
2: yeah man i mean when i before i quit god forbid i remember i was talking to mike d from kill switch we we're on tour like maybe it was one of the last tours I ever did and I was telling him I was thinking about quitting and he was just like, he was like trying to talk me out of it. And I was, you know, because he was like, man, he's like starting over. It's so hard. You don't want to do that. And I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, because ultimately no one knows, no one else is walking in your shoes. So no one else can really, you know, and it's, uh, I talk about it on the show all the time. It's really what the, what the show is about is opportunity cost right so every minute you spend doing option a means that's a cost of the things you can't do i can't pursue options b c d e f g because mm-hmm. i'm doing this um and yeah and it's always weighing right okay if i'm not doing this i'm i'm doing that and it's and it's tough and i think the older you get like me i just turned 40 mm-hmm. and uh i remember you know, I, I moved to LA, you know, after I quit, God forbid, not much of a plan, no money. And it was, it was hard. Like, it was really hard. And I was, I told myself, I was like, I don't think I can do that. Again. <laughs> you know, just go just dive in the deep end with no net,
1: really, you know, uh, a people do that LA, that LA thing, though, they just fucking pack their bags and go. And it, I, I know a lot of people it's worked out for. Yeah. And I but I know a
2: lot of people who they last for a year and then they go back to Cleveland because yep. it, 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 was, it was too much, you know, um, which I get and I don't and especially now you know, you, that's happening a lot because of the pandemic and, uh, you know, limited job opportunities or, you know, there's a lot of social unrest and fires and uh, a lot of the lockdowns that, you know, people are, are upset because things aren't open and I, and I get all that. And they, they want to probably be somewhere where it's a little bit cheaper. Sure. Just, j- just, j- just to live, and that's happening to a lot of major cities. Actually, people are kind of getting out right now. Yep. Um, but uh, you know, so when when you joined Ghost Inside, is I don't know how good of a transition that was, but. <laughs> uh, but Fine. you know, the band was having all the successes you're saying with uh, a great label, which I think is probably the, you know, the premiere you know uh label I, even beyond hardcore there's kind of something there's like a gold star element to having epitaph kind of be part do you know what i'm saying like it feels yeah. like the elites or something like I
1: feel like that because i've always before i even ever entertained the idea that i'd possibly be on epitaph records i always looked at it as like that like it's like an elite yeah elite. you know what parkway drive every time i die right it's converge on epitaph I think maybe I don't know if they are now but they had they, they had some had, stuff. Bring me they had dude Pennywise Rancid all the all the skate yeah. punk and- but I but I'm saying it's even cooler when it's a newer
2: different kind of band because it it's putting you in the cachet with this Architects yeah. Arc, there exactly. They yeah, they they have the Creme de la Creme. So yeah, so that's a big uh, notch in your belt. From your perspective, what do you think connected with the ghost insider what make the band special comparatively to whatever was going on in the in in the scene
1: um i think stylistically i think we were doing the like melodic metalcore thing did i just mute no i hear you <laughs> i hit my keyboard i think we were doing the melodic like metalcore hardcore thing Kind of in our own way, not not saying we were reinventing the wheel, but like the Ghost Inside before I was in the band. Even they just had this distinct sound that with the riffs and with everything, this like this like little peppering of punk and like kind of comeback kid ish, yeah, punk beats, but with like your favorite metalcore bands breakdowns and like Barrier your dead like bouncy riffs. Well, I'm and glad sh- you. I'm glad you brought up Barrier dead. Because it,
2: it you know I've, I've you know I've had a few people from the band on on the show I had Mike Terry on here got to get slim, I got to get slim on the show I got to reach, reach out yeah. to him, but mark too Mark, yeah, yeah, yeah no doubt I definitely got to talk to Mark, but Barry dead is this actually and I had Jason Sukoff, the producer uh, who worked on on their some of their best records in the breakdown it, it they're this band that weirdly because I and I talk about this because you know because I came up with them at the same time you know and yeah. I remember we played we did a show it must have been like 2001 it was with Shy Halud in in uh, the Met Cafe in Rhode Island and, and I never heard of Barry Dead and we played with them I'm like oh my god like, oh, they just sound like Hapri that's literally it was like oh and back then it was like every show you played there was like two bands that sounded like Hapri so it wasn't it you know it just it just wasn't that big of a deal yeah and Somehow, they developed this sound, combining like new metal, you know, tuning down a very particular group. You know, it was, it was beat down seven dust, right? <laughs> and but somehow what they were doing, even though they they had some success in the moment, it seemed like it influenced that this next generation of bands, uh, whether it's, it's you guys or bringing the horizon, or uh, upon a burning body there's all these bands where it's just like and it's it just it's it's so strange to me because i felt like it in the moment they were like a lot of people hated on them
1: yeah i guess i wasn't around like in especially in like that scene in that part of the country to see that but i mean i noticed pretty early on that yeah and, and i'm guilty of it with both for the fallen dreams and the ghost are both guilty of of heavily being influenced by barrier dead and their and their riffs and their feel and it's almost like they started getting ripped off so hard that they couldn't be themselves after a minute like that was like one of those things and and yeah like yeah like i i I didn't see i didn't see it happening like in the scene like where where you grew up when you came up with them but i i I noticed it from the outside though you know
2: well i'm just always fascinated anytime there's a band where their influence actually because they had they had that a few years where they were either broken up or they're on hiatus where they get almost more popular or more influential when they're not active yeah and that's always really you know and you can whether, you know, At the Gates is kind of like that. You know, they basically broke up, right, when their their big album came out. Uh, Refused was like that. You know, they broke up, right, you know, after release of Shape of Punk to Come. The, you know, they are just certain, or even like My Chemical Romance, who's like j- as just as popular now, or even more popular than, and, and they've been broken up for, I don't know, 10, 12 years. I don't even know how long they've been. Crazy. Um, and it's always fascinating to me because it really speaks to whatever the act you know the core music and art itself right because there's no like ad campaign for you when you're broken up there's no you know there's there's no ulterior motive it's completely organic you know and it's a real kind of testament to that so i always you know any anytime i have an opportunity to uh fluff the balls of the Burrier dance deads I, I try to and i and yeah. i always shout out for it's nothing
1: personal because that's like the hooks the hooks are, are good oh it's so good dude i just listened to it the other day actually now that we're talking about it, it i went on a drive to detroit and i i listened to that one first time in a while too and i forgot how fucking great it is dude.
2: i remember when i put it out because like, when i had mike terry i listened, I was like it's one of those things where you're like oh i'm gonna check out a few songs but then you can't turn it off you're like nah man i gotta take this.
1: <laughs> yeah dude absolutely I love, like, I love and i love his uh his era of of Barrier dead me too yeah me too, um,
2: so I mean I, I guess around you know this time, kind of as you're you're, you're settling to the band, the you know uh dear youth you know hits something like in the sixties on the billboard charts, band is really killing it, you know about this time, and then the bus accident happens
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know and you know and this and this is also a a kind of theme throughout the history of of rock as well you know whether it's cliff burton passing away or you know like i brought up Candyria earlier i mean a bus uh a van accident ended up basically ruining their whole career you know uh they you know had a lot of momentum you know baroness uh had a, a bad accident uh yep. you know, where you know you you know i know the the singer you know, suffered some, some long-term nerve damage and things like that, that really affect them to this day. And same thing, they put out their kind of opus, you know, they're this, this really uh, timeless record and it kind of hurt their career, you know. Um, so it's just this thing that kind of permeates through the, uh, the history of, of like, what ifs. Uh, Death Angel, another one, another, another band that, uh, that had a, an accident that, kind of railroad their their career I mean how much for you at this point is it like do you even want to be known for that is it something you'd rather just like not talk about or kind of just you know is it does it has it for you is it dominated too much of like your personal autobiography
1: no not yet I don't think and I'm not saying it might someday someday I might get there I read like a like an article with Rick Allen and he like, you know, he, obviously everyone knows Rick Allen's story, drummer of Def Leppard and lost mm-hmm. his arm and still plays drums. But he like lashed out on a reporter in recent years because they only asked him about like him playing drums with one arm and he like got pissed. Yeah. And I think anyone at face value would go, God, what a dick, you know, but I kind of was like, man, I get, doesn't really surprise me yeah. like he's probably fucking sick of it i get it I, i'm not there yet i'm not anywhere close i'm totally fine talking about it i find that talking about it helps me even yeah. um not that i'm like I, I you know and i genuinely am never like sitting at home bumming on my situation i'm not because the shit we've accomplished is just I'm very proud of it and and happy to just be here and even have the opportunity to still like sit here and talk to you about it and to play shows sometimes like I'm I'm grateful for that but yeah I, I'm not I'm not to the point of where I think it's like you know oh this is all anyone wants to talk about blah 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 you know I'm I'm fine with it um it and I've all, I've also way early on accepted I I knew before we even started talking about playing shows again, I was like, this is going to be like, obviously the main thing people want to talk about. People want to know about. And even I think, you know, we all had our injuries. We all have different things happen to us, but obviously what happened to me is like, I guess on paper, the most shocking thing I would say. And so all that stuff is going to be like times 10 when, when I'm being asked questions or, or all this. And, And you know what? It's fine. Um, because I'm try, I am I always try to look at it as, like, if I can offer any insight or positive way of looking at life with this new perspective that I've gotten after going through what I've been through, like, if that can help someone change the way they're thinking or feeling, then it's worth it to me. And I want to be there to help if I can. And I never thought of myself as a person that would be the type to, like, lift you up or say you know try try and like speak about things like that and 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 help people, but over the years since this has happened to me, I've found that I'm pretty good at that yeah. people people come to me for advice more than they ever have in my life, and they they ask like how how were you so strong enough to get through like how did you do this and I just tell them and then I don't know i I like being there for people I like that maybe someone out there will listen to this podcast when it comes out that's having, that's feeling down and can maybe think of things a different way, you know, Um, in terms of, in terms of appreciating what you have and, um, you know, feeling thankful and, and just the, I don't know, you know, not, not giving up what happened to our band should have ended us by all means. Um, but we, we just, we just didn't allow it. And uh, I think that's an important attitude to have and people, people want, need people want to know our story and I'm happy to tell it, I guess. Well, Chris Kane, you know, was, was telling me about,
2: you know, cause, you know, cause I didn't know you guys told, told after all this stuff. Uh, but he was telling me that, you know, your attitude from day one was of, positivity even while you're in the hospital even when you didn't know what your future was going to look like that you from his perspective you always were just upbeat and focusing on the on the positive end of things and you know and I don't I don't I don't know where that comes from Um, but I think at least even if the topic itself you know this in the you know truth is especially when it comes to press press needs an angle right like they need something so and and that's obviously the most obvious angle but I I I would say the one kind of bright side about the whole thing is that with the way people relate this event to the band is that it's a story about triumph over hardship right like it's not dwelling in sadness or grief it's like it's a people love it's like this it's
1: a feel-good story yeah it's like a comeback story yeah it, people love that and who like who doesn't love a good comeback story you know and not not like just not sitting here saying i'm trying to like sell sell our band's movie or anything but like it's like when is, when is the movie come out come right, on right you know, uh, i know um, it's
2: coming um, out netflix all right
1: <laughs> so i don't know but like and it, ryan gosling to play you right i'll, I'll do well, it Come on, look at me. That's what I'm saying. I ain't got my you know, 50 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, dude, it's, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it is, I I often try to take myself out of it and look at it from someone else's point of view, from not me or my band's point of view. And it's a pretty fucking wild story. Like having gone through it and trying to picture what it was like seeing it from the outside and and i, I understand why people want to know things and why why people are for probably the rest of the band's career it'll be talked about and i accept that and it's that's just going to be what it is you know um just with the physical playing part of it because
2: i think what happened to you theoretically could happen to any member of the band but not every member of the band uses their legs and their uh and their uh and really their entire body the way a drummer does um how you know soon into the recovery process did you kind of
1: have an understanding that you were going to be able to play that took a that took a quite a bit of time actually I think it took I think it probably took two full years Um, But but just thinking about it or like, or the physical part of it, I mean, was it always in the back of your mind? Yeah. Yeah. Mentally, that was always like the goal for me personally was to get on stage and play drums again and perform again. That was always where I, where, you know, telling myself like, Oh, well, I could do this, that in my head. Yes. But um, physically was where, that that's where there was a lot of playing around and having to figure out how to do it and what was going to work best. And that, I think that took a couple of years, but yeah, mentally, I, that that was always the goal. Where are you at as far
2: as playing me? Is there, are there things you, you physically can't do that you used to be able to do? Are you like uh, modifying the parts? Or are you pretty much able to accomplish a good amount of what you were doing?
1: I, I would say, um, There's always room for improvement and I'm still improving and trying new devices. I've actually been, my my dad made the device for me that I'm using to play and I play without a prosthetic um, leg. I'm playing with just my stump Mm -hmm. and I, my dad made this device for me. What's his, does he have like a, a technical background or engineering background or he's a, he's a, he's worked at, he worked at GM for 45 years. Physical labor, but he's always a, he's a woodworker. Uh, as a hobby and he just likes making things and creating things. And he just dreamt this idea up of like me being able to play drums without having like a heavy prosthetic leg. Yeah. And he just, he just thought of it and I, <laughs> I, I don't know. And it, and it, it works, but I have, I also have like a buddy in Maryland who he is allowed access to like NASA space grade equipment Uh, metals and stuff and he's an engineer and uh he i've been working with him the last well over a year on a on a new kind of version of this device i use that's like going to be more uh more streamlined and easier collapsible and just faster hopefully and uh i mean so yeah there's always room for improvement but um i think for the most part even with the pretty bare bones version that my dad made me i'm able to do yeah, I, I think I'm able to play pretty close to what I was able to play before when I was fully able bodied. When I pr- pretty damn close, I think. I have I have some restrictions. I have I had a pretty bad shoulder injury that I've lost range of motion and a thing where like, you know, my China used to be like pretty far behind me so I could like really just like lean into it. it. Yeah. I've had to like move that up. <laughs> bit and uh i have uh, permanent nerve damage in my right hand and uh just like this hypersensitivity in my mm. finger so like at all times it kind of just like it feels like like when your leg falls asleep yeah my fingers feel like that at all times but for some reason when i grip a stick i don't know why it doesn't it doesn't bother me so <laughs> you wear gloves uh, so when i first started trying to play again i i would just wear a glove on this hand because it was it was so so sensitive but over time the sensitivity has gotten like a little bit better and i i can i can handle it without the glove now those are the only restrictions um besides you know and i have said this before too um i sort of never realized that a lot of kick drum technique and dexterity is it's like it's like all ankle yeah it's all ankle being able to do like triplet fills and all these more technical things and I don't have an ankle. So I've had to like, that was kind of one of my things. I, I always, you know, actually we were talking about, you know, Mark from barrier dead. He's a huge influence on my drumming. He's always, <segregation> he's always just flopping his feet around. And I, I had, I adopted that style a lot and I became a drummer that uses that, triplet thing a lot so and when i was thinking about drumming without a leg before before i ever tried i was like how am i gonna do all my like triplet stuff that i i just like instinctually do live sometimes it's not even on the record i just do it live and i always told myself if i can get back to doing those and pulling those off then i've gotten back to drumming
2: so you just basically using more of like
1: your hamstring and like your quads and like your glutes yeah like hip hip is a lot of it and yeah just just my hip and my quad basically yeah. it's all all the action is coming from there because i have just you know i have like probably this much of a of a right leg and mm. it's it's uh yeah so it's just all and it's above it's above my knee so if you can think it's pretty, pretty much if you just look down at your thigh you just that. but no knee yeah. yeah yeah so just had to and I would even do that before, you know, when I was like, I was in a back brace for like six months and like I would just was, I was like bedridden, like had to be. Yeah. But like, I would just like air drum in my bed, like trying to like figure out like, okay, my left ankle can do this. Like I can play these patterns technically like tapping around, but yeah. We'll see how it goes when I set it a kit and it, and I, I think I, I picked it up pretty fast, I think.
2: Well, you, I see you got a bunch of instruments there. So you play everything else. So you were able to at least work on music and stuff otherwise, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I um, I actually, I've played guitar longer than I've played drums. That was always my, kind of my first my first love. Um, so yeah, when when there was a, a ton of downtime before being able to figure the drum stuff out, I just was playing guitar. I was like, finally, I, uh, you know, this was 2016. Kempers were out in a thing, but like, they were still kind of like the new, the shit, like, ooh, yeah axe effects have been a thing for a while but like kempers were the so i was like i want to buy myself a kemper and enjoy myself and uh started writing just uh my own stuff just to fucking just to cope with the madness of living with my parents in my 30s (laughs) and recovering you know so
2: i want to talk about the the reunion show because it's it's just one of the craziest things Like, like i said i'm you're one of these bands like you know believe it or not like i've heard the band and, and been from like knowing them but i was never like really connected to where everything was going on so i always felt like a you know like a tourist almost even at the show like i was like but i felt like it was an important moment for music and like it just felt like it was important to be there you know i mean so what was your i guess initial reaction to when the tickets sold that quick and then you had to add
1: The outdoor thing like how did how did that feel dude it was like it was just i don't know it was fucking unbelievable we 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 all were talking amongst ourselves you know in the in the weeks leading up okay cool we're gonna do this show we're gonna announce tickets blah blah blah. people were throwing around like oh it might sell out in like a week even oh i might sell it'll sell out before the show like in months, you know. For by sure. the way,
2: before this show, what was the biggest like headlining show you had ever done with the band?
1: I mean, I don't know for sure, but I would say probably like some, probably like Germany somewhere, uh like a thousand people, a couple thousand people, like sixteen hundred, eighteen hundred. Okay, uh, yeah. So pretty,
2: but but for a band of your size, that's a fucking big show.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. A big deal. Yeah. yeah so i miss germany by the way jesus christ i miss playing in germany
2: Fuck. you guys are supposed you had a whole yeah, we schedule gonna, right yeah, we were supposed to be there this summer yeah it's, you're gonna for 2021 we'll see <laughs> i think it's gonna happen. I, I i'm putting my chips into the 2021 summer stuff is gonna happen oh, man. i'm I putting the it.
1: positive energy out there let me let me eat that shit up yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude. um uh, the what? yeah the the shrine show when we saw yeah we were getting tech, they they went on sale and we were all like i was i remember like sitting at my phone they went on sale and i like put my phone down for like a minute and then i hear and i look at my phone and someone's like dude like the site's broken people are texting me saying the site's broken like the website people can't buy tickets blah 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 and our manager was in the conversation with us he's like oh no the, they they're gone <laughs> <laughs> like, no he's like yeah they're officially gone like so how many tickets ultimately did you end up selling I think it was 8,000 8, 8, um, and it was, I think it was five, yeah, it was 5,000 cause it was shrine indoors. Yeah. And then and you, so yeah. Like four minutes or something, three minutes. And then, so we were like, shit, like people are still complaining that they didn't get tickets. So we decided to move the show out to the parking lot of shrine and add 3,000 more. And those also sold out in just a few minutes. Yeah.
0: And, and it's fucking unbelievable.
2: I mean, did did it, in a certain way, did it make you more nervous because oh, it's like pressure to kind of be a, an arena band or something?
1: It, it at, at first it definitely I felt this overwhelming sense of like, wow, now I really gotta fucking bring it and you gotta re- have dragons shooting out the PA. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Now we gotta like, now we gotta be fucking, dude. Yeah, I definitely definitely had. A few months of of some anxieties about like oh my god am I good enough is it gonna be okay blah 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 freaking out but we made it work we always do we 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 rehearsed a lot in Las Vegas before the show we had like technical difficulties but we like just worked through everything we figured it out and it was fucking me. it was awesome it went well oh. I
2: saw you after the show and you seemed obviously in a great mood. Um, I mean, what was the collective energy like once it was done? Was it like a relief, or was that what did you actually get that like that feeling, like that show feel? Because sometimes I I notice with myself when I you know we start a tour, it almost takes you like a week or two to settle in, you know. So sometimes I feel like my best show will be midway through a tour, whereas the first couple of
1: days I'm still like working out kinks. Yep, it was always like that for me too. And I would we would we would tour and 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 go eat we would all go home for a week and then go right back out on tour all it takes is one week off and you're fucking rusty again like that, that happens so like after three years like a lot of rust to polish off there but uh afterwards was just overwhelming sense of just proud of myself and my and my dudes and happy that we had all that all the family and friends there to support us just the, the the amount of support throughout this entire thing from the start of the accident to the now the the support has just been absolutely overwhelming and yeah i was after, after the show was a mix of relief and just uh just so so happy and and i i I, probably more probably more relief i think even like i don't know that's hard to say but there was definitely a lot of like this the stigma that maybe i brought on myself of like this is it this is the big one you know and then like when it was over it was like that's you know it's it's we we did it we fucking did it and like now i can go home and not be panicking you know
2: yeah um you were gonna say something? Sorry, no, uh, that was that was it. Uh, so you had this this whole slate of of shows booked in Europe the summer, massive festivals, and obviously that all got got pushed back. Um, I mean, is the plan? You know, let's say twenty twenty was normal, was it just gonna be like these spot dates, or were you guys planning on become you know going back to being somewhat a normal touring band?
1: Yeah, for now, it's just. Uh you know cuz we we did that we did the shrine show last year and then in january right kind of right before covid we uh, we headlined a festival in australia too about like the same size that's the only shows we've played so it's weird man we're still we're kind of like still seeing what we can handle um, is touring I, us again like just like not something you want to engage in i mean or i i would like to try it I, I would like to try it just to see what we if we could handle it. Even if we just did a five day stretch where, where we did play five shows in a row and, and got on a bus and had like a nice easy route of just like an hour or two, couple drives, even if it's just like a from Northern California to, to San Diego or something. Just I I would like to try some capacity of touring someday. I just don't know when we're gonna get to that. Um or even if we will, because uh, you know some of the other guys have their own feelings on, on how, and if they if if they even want to tour or not, I think everyone's just still kind of like we're testing the waters and feeling it out. And right yeah. now we're just baby steps. yeah we're just taking baby steps, and it seems to make the most sense right now to just kind of play it, play a few shows when we can if it makes sense and if everyone's feeling up to it. Then and, and we're just gonna if we can handle anything more and anyone wants to do any more, then we'll plan accordingly. I think. Well, I mean, uh, on one end, you
2: know, the really cool thing is throughout everything, the band's kind of stature has increased. You know, several fold, at least in the in the interim. You know, as a, as a commodity, you guys kind of matter a lot. So, in a certain degree, you you don't have to do as much because maybe you know you're getting. You know, if 8,000 people show up and see you play, you get you're making a little more money than uh, playing the chain reaction, you know, on a Tuesday night, you know, in, in 2012, you know. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, you know, it probably allows you guys to be a bit more picky. And obviously the entire industry with which you and I have existed in doesn't exist right now. So <laughs> <laughs> we're all kind of uh, kicking the can down the road to, to hopefully having some semblance of normalcy within touring and doing concerts and festivals and all, and all this stuff. Um, you know, but, you know, I think no matter what you guys do there's, like I said, you, you put out a new record. Actually, we were not really talked about the new, the, the new, the new record at all, which is a, a self-titled record. Did, uh, who did you guys, uh, did you self-produce? How did you, how did that come about?
1: We, uh, we, we did, uh, we did the, yep, self-titled. We, and we did it with um, Will Putney and Jeremy McKinnon. Oh shit! Will Putney, shout out to Will. Yep. So he we we he he met us in uh, Orlando in like May or something like that of last year, and we started Why Orlando because that's where um, Jeremy, the singer of A Day to Remember, he's worked with us since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. get what you give. He does like mostly like like vocal production and and writing with uh with Vigil and and just kind of like helping us get our get the the singing vibes we want in our in our songs he's been with us for years now. So um, he was just having a kid and like just, and he just, he, we we wanted to be him to be close to home. We wanted, we wanted him to be able to work with us, but also be a dad. So Will was cool enough to also honor that. And and we all just met in Florida for the first like few weeks of pre pro and writing. And uh, you know, I, I, I write a lot and I play guitar a lot. So I, I was the majority writer, Uh, like even the guitars and stuff for the new record. So it was a lot of Will and I riffing and writing these songs. And we got a shitload done while we were in Florida. And then we did our show in, in LA. And then we went right back to, we went to New Jersey. We went to Belleville and went to Will's studio. We spent a solid month or so there. And then we all went home, went back in November of last year for like another, week and a half and just finished everything up mm-hmm. and uh so yeah it was like a from like may to november of last year on and off of like of going back and forth and working on the record
2: and you guys i mean happy with the way it came out with
1: the response and everything yeah man so so, so happy it, it's i you know everybody every band says like oh the, the new ones are a press record or everyone says that but i we all like can't shut up about it we
2: i think it i think i you know like i said i'm i'm a peripheral fan at, at most so I, I don't want to overspeak myself like i'm some fucking you know the ultimate connoisseur but i you know after listening to everything i do think it's the the best thing that the band has done
1: i think so too and especially like a lot of it with production wise especially like the mix and stuff i think it's my favorite sounding mix of our of all of our records and it, it we just got it right where we wanted it to be um in every way this ain't, ain't your mama's metal core, right this is right, 20 right. y'all That's right yeah dude we, <laughs> yeah we we got the record exactly where we wanted it to be how we wanted it to sound and we couldn't be happier with it right on um i'm not gonna
2: keep you keep you too much longer i, I really appreciate you uh you doing this um so i wanted to ask you about and, and we don't have to talk about it if you don't want, if you don't want to is everything kind of went down with with jim um is that something you want to broach or we don't have we we can we cannot talk about it if it's if it's sensitive i think a couple months ago i would have said no and now i'm just like sure will <laughs> Um about. well no i'm listen i i don't even you know with this show you know i tr- i try not to delve too much into like clickbait or exploitive kind of subject matter cuz even though it's great for numbers and ratings and attention and all that um for me, the most important thing about this is the relationships uh, and making sure the, the guests are comfortable. For sure, know? ultimately, that's for me. That's 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 the most important thing. But the reason why I want to bring it up is is not for that because I I think it's kind of emblematic of this moment we, we're in that kind of goes beyond music, which is kind of the social political uh, environment, right? Which is you know, and this is kind of in a sense what happened with your band is. A reflection of quote-unquote cancel culture right yes yeah um and so you're a, a, in, in a sense you're and, 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 the, and the main reason why i think i bring it up if it was done and done i probably wouldn't say anything but then recently some word came out that you guys had possibly re- uh regretted the decision of firing jim
1: yeah so um yeah because we we actually did a a podcast like that whole series you were talking about the 1333 is it covered in there we did like a wrap up episode and he asked us about it and we just said we just decided to talk about it on there and uh so we did we did speak on it there and yeah like you know cancel culture that's a term I, i i didn't know existed until this happened and and you know i'm not a twitter guy i i haven't used twitter in years i don't like it um uh, and that's how kind of all this stuff, this, that's the platform that all this stuff started on and, and, yeah. uh, man, it was, uh, it was, it was a, it was an awful time. Um, so you
2: guys basically received pressure from fans and people involved in the music scene to get rid of, of Jim, the bass player. Cause he, he was like what caught on tape or something, or he on video saying the N word. No,
1: no, no tape or video. No,
2: oh, it wasn't. Okay
1: no there was nothing like that uh it was uh um someone had had heard him say it um and the instance they're referring to um you know not everyone was around for it who i don't really even know i don't know
2: was the, it was it like cuz listen i'm i'm half black you know and, and i try not to use that as too much of a qualifier but i i bring that up just just because you know i'm a half black dude who was in a band with mostly black people that said nigga all the time all right (laughs) you know and culturally the world i grew up that's how we talked sure uh and i don't necessarily believe in the way to deal with languages through prohibition and i think context matters more than anything uh and you have to kind of take all that into account when you kind of try and Assess where someone's coming from, right? Intent, to me, is the most important factor. Not just to catch someone saying the magic word, whatever word that is. Um, you know, and that's, that's my personal feelings on it because, you know, I think the world, in a sense, is changing faster than people can keep up with. When I say the world, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily mean, like, it's literally changing. I think these ideas are being pushed at a rate that is faster than people's activity can actually keep up with. And that's why there's such a pushback, which I totally get. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 And you know, what happened with our situation, you know, there was, um, you know, something had come up about it before in 2015, a tweet went out about Jim saying it. And even then we were like, what the hell's going on? What's, What's all this about? And, you know, Jim called him and, uh, Um, as far as we, as far as we knew, I guess we thought, we thought that it was, uh, that everything was cool, but, um, it it wasn't. And we didn't know that until this happened again. And, uh, I really, I really don't know what was actually said or wasn't. I just know that when it happened, it went from zero to people and peers and other, like other bands and just uh, seemingly everybody Shoving us into a corner, saying, "You got to do it. You got, you yeah. get, you, you're you're done if you don't." And like, we had fans going, "You know where are you at? Why are you being quiet? Like, say something." And then, and then, like, even Jim himself was like, "You know, I think, I think I need to step back." And we tried for a few days to to figure out to to be like, no, like like we'll figure it out. And 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 then it just it got so hot that. Yeah, dude, we, we buckled. We yeah. straight up we straight up gave in to that pressure and, and we did that and we and we removed him and yeah, yeah, it was immediately just I I I I vomited after we did it. It was like just anxiety ridden in my yeah. body. But I mean you could bring it back, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you listen to that that podcast, I mean pretty much explains it you know okay i gotta go listen to the show yeah, yeah, it's 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 in there and uh this show by the
2: way has just a giant ad campaign for the other podcast just one that people know <laughs> don't listen to this go listen to, to the real one that's got the good <laughs> shit <laughs> but, um, well either yeah. way i want to listen to it because it's uh it's really well produced it's yeah. it, well, it's, okay. like, it's like npr style you know really great storytelling it's called uh one thousand three hundred thirty three days uh with defiance with peter mccormick Mm -hmm. british guy i love i love my brits
1: yeah and it's um he just you know it's exactly an audio documentary and he he tells our story he's interviewed all of us for it and uh man it turned out really well and uh yeah it's um it's been a tough year man um You know, I, I just want to say too, like I, I, it, it's, it's hard to, people don't understand. And I, I don't expect them to either. Like from where we were coming from with this, it was like we were seeing the band being taken away from us again, completely. And we had this crazy fear of like losing everything again on the day where our comeback record came out was like supposed to be that cherry on top of like, wow, we fucking, we did a comeback. And then this happened and it, it, it was like, we went into like panic mode, you know, and we made that decision and it was wrong. And you know, it's, it we're, we still literally talk to each other all every single day. Uh, so not, nothing's changed there. And it's just, it's, it's been, it's been a shitty year for everyone. I, 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 there's a lot, a lot of way worse, crazier shit going on out there than, you know, our little band and, and stuff. So, I don't want to sound like I'm fucking saying, you know, feel sorry for me because I don't want to, I just, I'm, that's not what I'm saying, but it was, uh, it was rough to go through. I will say it was mentally, absolutely mentally way harder on me personally than, than the, all the accident stuff. Wow. That's um, it crazy. Hit me. It got me. It, it, it I completely broke when this happened and I've never experienced anxiety like this. Um, Well, if you think about it, it's the complete inverse
2: of the reaction to the accident because you basically were this uh, pinpoint for all this goodwill, right? And then you have a different scenario where it's kind of, the you know, it is all that goodwill turned on its face and now it's the thing, you know, we love. No, we're going to tell you how much, how angry we are at you and that has like a palpable emotional factor you know and the only way I think to deal with it is probably just to not be on it right turn off the, the phone don't go on the internet don't you know and but I've, but if you guys are getting other bands that's like the definition of, of peer pressure right if it's somebody in a band you respect or someone you're friends with whose opinion you respect and you want their you know you because I think the idea of can't being canceled means it's all about social ostracization. Right. So, you know, Kevin Spacey gets canceled. He's now, he's not, he can't come to the Oscars. Right. He can't come to the cool party. He can't, he's not invited. Right. And that's the, and I think for humans as social, social creatures to be, you know, a giant fear is, is to be ostracized, is to be not allowed to be around or say, you know, and that's, that's tough.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I tried turning off the social media and all that, but I would get a text message from close friends or people saying things like, you guys gonna, you guys gonna answer this or what? Like putting on that pressure. Like, (laughs) yeah. It was bad. And it was, and it was, and it was coming, it was coming from every angle like that. Um, pretty pretty nonstop, pretty overwhelmingly nonstop, and it just made us make that decision and uh you know i know jim very well i look up to him like a brother um he's not he's not racist um i actually i actually fucking hate facebook i never use it but sometimes i go on there and i would see jim engaging in conversations about this topic years ago um speaking up about this issue um yeah already already putting in the work back then yeah Um, which goes to
2: show you it can get anybody you know which is and and you know and 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 that kind of speaks to this idea of i think being kind of rhetorically charitable and and giving people the benefit of the doubt you know uh sometimes and in you know and yeah, and that just that that pile-on effect i think especially when it's about hey i because i think it's it's like i need to distance myself from this person because then some of their dirt's gonna get on me so you know what i'm saying it, it, it becomes
1: this thing of like oh it's like they're, they're the scarlet letter right i need to yeah and there were even yeah there were like uh like fellow you know peers and stuff jumping on us publicly and like just disaster of a of a situation for us and yeah i mean never it's something i never ne- none of us ever thought would ha- anything like this would happen um and we, we were not prepared man we were not prepared for this and we obviously handled it very fucking poorly um but you know we're righting our wrongs so we're
2: yeah, listen you're you are okay. learn listen i think introspection is one of the most mature, uh, you know, characteristics someone can, can embody and say, and really examine what they've done. You know, the, I think the worst kind of people you can be is someone who just never backs down off any Like, no, that's not evolution. You right. know, that's, that's not saying, you know, because guess what, we've all made mistakes and you know what? We're going to make more mistakes. Yep. <laughs> you know, we're not going to get every, everything right and uh and i and i think that's that's a good thing and you know what i said you guys you guys will learn from it and work and by the way we're all experiencing the culture as it stands in real time right and, you know um <clears throat> and there's a people on many of listen i'm like i've been fairly close and intimate with like the azalea dining situation i was close with tim when all that stuff went down yep. that's A very extreme story you know in terms of the real details of something how serious that was you know but i've been pretty willing to talk about it and talk through like my thoughts about it but it's like you you know being involved in the in the same scene you see how like certain people say well i can't talk to him or i can't talk to the band members or we we will never tour with that band because we will be associated with blank and you know and that's just not my 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 personal ethic because i i think you have to give people a chance to reform themselves you have to give people a chance to do right like every crime should not be a life sentence right Absolutely. Um, yeah. like dude i was at your the after party of your show standing in like this kind of main area of the, this in talking to tim and his girlfriend and it was like you could see everyone like whispering and stuff, you know, and it's like said,
1: and and a little too. Yeah. I actually, I, I was so crazy busy that night saying hi to everyone. I didn't even get, I didn't even get a chance to see him that night. but I, I saw, I I heard later that he was there and I didn't even see him, but yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, But it was a, but you know, and no one said anything to me directly, but I, but I could see it's the idea about guilty by association and and listen, and I give, you know, I have friends of mine who have said, "Oh no, I'll I'll never talk to that guy," or they've said, "Well, my because of my wife or because of my girlfriend, I can't be involved because they're they would be so offended that I'm involving them." And so it's like there's all these different layers of it, and I'm not trying to call anyone right or wrong or bad or anything. I just I just think these these situations are complex, and we're living in a very unique period of time where. It's just, we're all being affected by it, you know? Absolutely. So, uh, one more thing I want to ask you about. Do you have a clothing line, right? Yeah, so that's my, that's my newest endeavor right here. Um, Take back, okay, okay. Yep. What, um, what, how long has this been around and what was the genesis of the idea of the project?
1: Yeah, so uh, it's only been around since around, I guess, March of this year. Um, actually, the idea the idea came about Probably maybe the same week we started hearing that COVID was getting really bad for the first time. This was like maybe like February when I had the idea for this. I And it's, I do this, I do this clothing brand with one of my best friends that I grew up with Sam. And, uh, he is, uh, he was, he's a veteran and he was discharged from the army. I mean, he got like almost blown up and he, he was getting his platoon out of the, uh, he was away from all this fire and uh, combat that was happening. I don't know the exact details, but I know he got his platoon out and I think he sort of hopped a, hopped a wall and his pack got caught on something and it like severely uh, hurt him. And he ended up also developing like a disorder, like a blood disorder. And he spent like months and months in the hospital. This was in like 2009 or 10, I think. Um, and I sort of just watched him overcome all that shit. And, and he he got married and he, he had a kid and he's got a great job now. And he just like turned his life back around after going through some shit, you know? And, um, obviously what I went through, you know, I, I went through some adversity myself and we're both best friends that that we're nerds about shoes. I know you. I know you're a shoe, You guys are sneaker guys. I've seen your. I've seen your guys post, oh, man. Yeah.
2: Caught an L yesterday. I'm bummed
1: out. <laughs> what? What? How? How so? What happened?
2: The uh, Mocha Jordan Ones came out, and they're very. They're like these kind of uh, normalized version of these Travis Scott one. Uh, yeah. Was it a right, sneaker app drop? Yeah, this was yesterday, and the problem was I said so. The drop is 10 p.m eastern time mm-hmm. but that's 7 a.m western time and i was in such a deep dream state that in my dream my alarm went off and i was like dealing with something in the dream with the alarm and so i shut it off and so i woke up a half hour late and i it was it was already done and now the shoe it was a retail is 170 now What's it great? was like 350 400 like overnight but it might go down sometimes it's it's really expensive like in the first because people are all hyped up but but it also might not because of the Travis Scott thing. Because it's the simple, it's actually cooler than the Travis Scott. But you know, I haven't bought that many shoes this year, so it was like yeah. it was something I had a pin in, and
1: I'm a little bummed out. So anyway, yeah, for sure. About- the, the last, the last sneaker app I tried one I tried to get with the the, the off white fours.
2: Yeah, I tried to get those too. I actually got up in time, but I just didn't get it.
1: I had a whole, I had all planned down. I was like, oh, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get that that notification. No, fuck no. No, I didn't. Anyway, yeah, but like we both were both nerds about like streetwear and sneakers and and we both went through the this these adversities. And I was like, dude, I just texted him one day. I was like, dude, you and I should start our own like clothing brand with with that, like, like, with putting that message out there, the message of like don't you know don't don't sit around waiting for things to fall into your lap you have to fucking go out there and get it you have to take control of your own life you have to take back your by the way how many how much jamie
2: josta lyrics have like <laughs> you embodied in your life that like were you like when you know, i just feel like all i hear when you say like oh perseverance you want to see me fail
1: <laughs> take, <back> your life! <laughs> <laughs> take your life back <laughs> yeah so that that and that is that is the sentiment that's the idea is 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 to promote the idea of like not, of getting off your ass and and you got to earn earn that shit and get it back and and you should always you should you should never like wallow in self pity you should always choose the other option which is to fucking never look back and just adapt and 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 prosper you know that's the whole idea behind it so we want to mix that idea and message with like shit we like about streetwear and clothing and stuff and it's uh, we both have photoshop experience i used to design merch for bands like way back in the day and uh like it got me back into photoshop again and i've been having a blast with it so we do our own designs and we have uh, a buddy who used to work with violent gentlemen helping us with designs as well it's just been so fucking fun man and so fulfilling for me it's it's something you know, starting a business and running it from home is something I never thought in my life I would do ever. And it just kind of- You kinda... moving units? Is it doing well? So here's what here's what happened is we were um, we were doing the like pre-order model or the pre-order only model at first. Yeah. We were like, let's test this out and like see if people would be interested. So we would get designs together and then we would say pre-order only sales live for, you know, five days. It's going to end at this time, blah, blah, blah. And we, and we would- uh, sell whatever we sold, we print and, yeah. and shipped and we had it fulfilled for us in California. We're in Michigan. This, the, it, then COVID got really bad when all what, right when we're trying to do all this. So like manufacturers and printing places and warehouses, they're all shutting down. And like, we had trouble getting garments. We had to like put it on pause for a month and then we like, we're able to do it again. We did the sale. It did awesome. Got it all taken care of covid stuff happened again like la apparel ran into a huge thing where they like shut down that the los angeles like headquarters because like so many covid cases crazy outbreaks so like that that took some time away and then uh we've been now now we've since i think since like uh august or september we've been wanting to do we said okay let's 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 order an inventory we're going to order items and keep a stock and we'll ship it and we'll keep restocking sort of like the normal way to do it Mm mm-hmm so that's what we're doing now, and we're we just now are th- like this. We just picked this up yesterday, and we're going to have two hoodies, four shirts, and two snapbacks on this next drop, which is coming next week. I want to say I don't know for sure, but probably Tuesday at the latest. We're going to turn the site back on, and you can order stuff. And that that's this is the first time we will have sold anything since May. Wow! Because of COVID, so really no, we're not really moving units. We haven't really done anything yet. But but like, what about the pre-order stuff did that ever get fulfilled yeah everything got fulfilled it just t- it, took, it took it took way longer than we wanted i don't think i don't think it got fulfilled until july but the pre-order did well though it did well yeah and how are you marketing everything pretty much man just inst- just social media instagram mostly
2: are you guys doing ads or is it just all like natural
1: so i did uh, i i did one i paid for one ad i wanted to see how it went i've never done it before so i did like a facebook Instagram ad. Actually, and that, you know what? I, it didn't do, it didn't do shit for us. I, I don't think that uh, that's even worth talking about. Yeah. It's but
2: organic reach is basically. Right what is. For you.
1: It's just me. I, I post about it and I try not to like sound like I'm trying to sell you stuff, but I want to, I, I just, I want to share what I'm doing. And, and uh, it's, it's all straight up from like word of mouth and, you know, friends and family supporting and reposting. And that's, that's how we're doing it. We're doing it completely organic. So, if people want to buy
2: somewhere, where should they go?
1: You can go to um, takebackbrand.com. Okay. I'm going to pick something up. Yeah, dude. Thank you. And then you Snap can – that back, son. Yeah, we got, we got a camo and a black one coming out. So, okay. the camo one's hard. That's my favorite okay, one. Okay. All right. I, yeah. I need
2: a camo. See, the problem is – like, it depends what kind of camo, because there's, like, normal camo, and there's, like – hunt scary hunting guy camo this, like,
1: is, this, is, this is straight up army woodland camo You're like
2: there's like if anytime if i'm at like a rest stop you know like i'm on tour and i'm at like a truck stop and i see it two. if i see t- if i see two dudes together <laughs> with the hat with like the leaves camo i get scared so I'm, like, I'm like they're here to kidnap me to take me to
1: like come on let's get them back then you yeah. know? fucking psychos yeah
2: <laughs> i'm not even saying they're psycho i'm just saying i'm scared i'm just i'm soft all right i'm like i don't see i just the the leaf camo scares me i'm just worried that's all i'm saying it you know it depends it's, it's a trigger for you yeah that's right
1: i'm just i'm soft and scared no no deer hunting camo yet for uh okay. yeah, I, I never say never we 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 like weird shit sometimes okay. so i'm never saying never but it's just not nah, just normal camo and uh Yep, yeah, we're on Instagram at Take Back Brand. We're on all, all social media. You can find us just at Take Back Brand. And uh, yeah, man, that's just been what I've been doing. Um, something I've kind of always wanted to do, like a bucket list thing. And it's just crazy that it's happening. And uh, awesome. I'm really, really, really stoked on it. So yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, but, you know, and just in general, are
2: you making it? You know, I just want to check on your personal well being because I feel like everyone is going through it this year in one way or another we're all having mental meltdowns we're all experiencing i feel some kind of depression or anxiety related to work or, or you know not being able to do the things you want to do see our friends and family uh maybe some people are you know more isolated than than they than they like to be how how are you personally doing through all this
1: yeah all, all of that <laughs> yeah. i got i got all of that yeah it's uh you know, my girlfriend, uh, she lives in Canada. Um, I oh, seen the infamous Canadian girlfriend thing. Okay. I haven't seen her since February. Okay. And rough. And uh, hopefully seeing her in December, if things permit. Um, it's been
2: Is rough. that because of the travel? You're not allowed to travel, right?
1: Yeah, I can't go there. And I think technically she's able to fly to the U.S., but – Once she's here, I- she can't leave. And then she's got like work that she can't afford to like quarantine for, you know, 14 days after and stuff yeah. got to work. And yeah, it's just, it's been rough. And so, yeah, I've, I live here. It's just me and my dog Hank here I have a dash out and he's, he's a, he keeps me, a, he keeps me on my toes cause he's a little shit. He's a handful, but How old? he's going to be two this month. Okay. So he's still got plenty of puppy left and he's like a teenager. <laughs> we have a four-month-old
2: puppy and she's insane so
1: (laughs) yeah so you 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 just get you just get her or yeah we got her six weeks what kind of what kind of pup uh pit oh nice yeah oh yeah dude they're fucking crazy when they're just months old there's literally um i wasn't prepared for this yeah (laughs) yeah but i mean you know with everything we talked about with all that stuff that happened that was that was the lowest point of my life i think and i'm doing a lot better now um and And just trying to navigate through the craziness of everything else going on in the world and all the anxieties going on with everything that's coming up and I don't know try- I'm trying to stay sane doing doing shit like this helps a lot um I've been doing a I've actually been doing quite a bit of podcasts over the last few months, and it's been i don't know like gives me something. I mean, not as cool as this one but i I appreciate
2: the fact that you're busy all right. Nothing. This dope. It's a real. I mean, this is the first real podcast. First, real, actual real one. And, I, and no, not those uh, other ones. Those other like you know. <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm, other, just kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. I kid because I care. Um, no, no, no. So I, I think, I think that's great. Uh, even myself, I found I've had moments where I will like hang out with a friend or something, and we'll like talk about stuff, and I'm like, damn, I haven't talked like just literally just had like a talk in like a while and you kind of some of the normal ways we interact you just you lose the rhythms of it because we're just not doing the same things and I was like I was like oh I have to make sure I have these conversations and I, listen and part of the reason why I start, started a podcast was for my own personal kind of therapy to a certain degree and now I, this show is different for me you know it's 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 much more, you know, when I do a show now, it's, it's, I'm here to listen to you than get my shit out. Um, but, but no, but I think, you know, all the, all those, I think things you're doing are, are, are really important. And, but ultimately, I think we gotta get through this shit together. Yeah, man. Everyone's affected. No one is left, uh, you know, uh, you know unaffected by this, by this crazy thing. And, uh, listen, man, I think overall, you're an inspiration and i and i think hope and hopefully i hope that doesn't sound i think to a certain degree that can be maybe condescending you know like it's like motherfucker i ain't here to be your inspiration i'm just a guy right
1: <laughs> oh yeah i get i get
2: that i, I don't take it that way though um uh, but i'm saying personally to me because and not in not just because what you went through it's just your approach um sure. and and the way you kind of uh deal with things in a in a you know, there's just a certain amount of, uh, I'd say, grace and class with the way you, you handle things. And that, Thank you man. know, understated uh, approach to it is, is very inspiring to me because, you know, I was literally, I was last night, I was thinking, I was thinking about making a post where I talk about what, like, you know, because I, you know, I got COVID and how much it sucked but then listing all the things in my life that could be worse. Yeah. You know, just like, well, I'm stuck with this, but I, here's all the things I do have, and it'll be worse if I had this, but I didn't have this. And just go through all that. Because, you know, if you don't take those moments to say, yeah, this is fucked up, or this is not ideal, but guess what, man? There's a lot of people who have a lot worse, you know? It's, that's the only way you, you can stay, keep it in perspective, you know?
1: Yeah. And it's important to remember that shit, man. I always try to remember that myself when I'm, when I'm anything, I always try to remember that it can always be worst thing. And I I had to remind myself of that. I had, you know, not to, not to go back too much into the the accident stuff, but I had like a, an example of that is like, I had a doctor a year after the accident, show me my x-rays for the first time. And I had a, I had a, I have a spinal fusion so I have rods and screws holding my spine together. Yeah. And he showed me a spinal column. Uh, and my, my T six was slightly to the left. And he's like, Oh, see that he's so casually was like, you see this uh, spinal column right here. He goes, if that was to your left about your pinkies with more, you would have been a quadriplegic from the, from the chest down. Holy shit. That's where I was like, I'll take what I got. <laughs> yeah. I will take having to put a prosthetic leg on every day to walk because I can at least fucking walk. Yeah. Always be worse. It's important. It's important to remember that even how bad the the climate of our country is right now, it it could it is worse in a lot of other places as we yeah. speak, and it can, it, can, it can be worse. Um, no,
2: no doubt. No. Doubt. Well, I agree with I agree with that. And uh, thank you so much. You know for for taking your time to be on the show. It's been a really fun talk, despite despite the fact that I'm hungover. <laughs> I've held it together. All right. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to pat myself on the back. You prop, man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> People, told me I would have never known.
2: Listen, it it, it I got to, you know, I I probably shouldn't say these things, you know. People wouldn't know, but <laughs> I can't help it. I'm I'm uh I'm, flexor, a,
1: I'm you're a pro at being hungover. I'm a
2: notorious oversharer.
1: <laughs> I can be all too All
2: right, yeah. brother. You have a great day and uh you know, don't let the uh election riots uh hurt you too much
1: trying not to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just keep keep positive about it
2: <laughs> yes sir all right man you take care okay all right everybody bye-bye
0: to save i remain the youngest
2: that track was entitled The Outcast and it's from Ghost Inside's 2020 release that we talked so much about on the show. Yeah, thank you to Andrew for taking his time to be on the program. It was uh, you know, we we got pretty deep there. We got a little deep went went some places hopefully you guys were willing to come with us, but I appreciate how candid he was. I mean, he's a he is a, like I said, despite how uh me not trying to be condescending. It's hard to not be inspired by his incredible attitude. And yeah, it's, it's, it's just exciting to see And apologies. It's funny because we're talking about all this stuff (laughs) that happened a month ago or a month and a half ago, whenever, whenever we did the, the interview. But a lot of times I record these and they don't come out right away. So it might appear a little dated. So apologies, but all thanks to Andrew. That was amazing. Uh, what else is going on? Oh yeah, I was something I wanted to. We got a, a letter, so we're gonna. I'm kind of gonna. I kind of skimmed through this, so we're gonna see how this goes. <laughs> it's kind of a long, a long message it's from from a guy Justin Darden. He's been he writes me a lot, um, but he goes, "Hey Doc, I know you're a Bernie Sanders supporter and have different views. This is funny, is is I voted for Bernie twice, but I'm not like." trying to take a bullet for him. I mean, I, I voted for Bernie twice. I like a lot of his ideas, but I don't think they're unique to him. Uh, but anyway, I'm not Mr. Bernie guy. I'm, I'm more of an Obama guy in, in a lot of ways, but maybe in terms of tone and style, but anyway, we, we keep it going. Uh, I know you're Bernie Sanders supporter and have different views, but I love how you took time to just sit down and discuss this with Phil, who has different views than you. He means Phil Labonte from All It Remains. The world needs this right now. You are being an example to others. If more people would just take the time to sit down and understand one another, not agree, but just try to understand, I think this would be a much better place. Me, I'm kind of in a weird situation. I know I want as little involvement from the government in my life as possible, but I love metal. You could have both of those the more i read about metal musicians on the internet it seems they all have left views it puts me in a weird spot because i can't just quit liking them because they have different views than uh i'm sorry getting confused there uh because they have different views than me it makes me wonder if they hate me because of the views i have also know also knew you knew dying i didn't really know him. i met him a couple times, but I, I wouldn't say I knew him. Uh, and since I have discovered so many metal musicians on, um, God damn it. I'm screwing this up. And since I've dis- discovered so many metal musicians support left, I wonder if you ever got any insight on Daryl Abbott's political views. I live 120 minutes from where Mr. Abbott was buried and have visited the site several times. And it's a very surreal experience. I experienced something unexplainable when I go to this place. I still remember the day it happened. My girlfriend picked me up for school. Anyway, it's kind of going on a little bit. Let's um, kind of tackle the first the first part. Um, yeah, I, I I see I see what he's saying. Here's here's what I think. I think if you were to go person for person in all the arts and entertainment fields, I think those fields tend to lean left. And, but not in the way I think, I think that's altered in the last few years because culturally, I think the left has been seen as being less uh, tolerant of people who think differently as being more against not as much into free speech. And you tend to think about artistry and free speech as kind of being synonymous and all that stuff. You go back to the 60s. Whether it's Lenny Bruce or the entire kind of hippie movement and all that, that seemed to kind of go hand in hand with the left, and, and those things have altered. It's a, it's an evolving kind of moving thing, but I think because of that, a lot of I think the mainstream just tends to lean left. You know, if you if you look at in a Marvel movie, right, they'll have the Black Panther and kind of pay homage to a kind of certain type type of identity politic or Captain Mar- or Captain Marvel kind of leaning into the girl power thing that is a, in the, the cultural context, more seen as a left type of paradigm, the way you're kind of looking at the world. And I do think it's, it's just more popular in terms of the culture war, that aspect of things have kind of won. So because of that, I do think generally metro metropolitan people who live in cities, urbanites, just tend to lean, lean that way. So you're going to get a little bit more of it, but I also think it, it's probably overrepresented publicly because I think a lot of those people are more comfortable saying those things publicly because they know there'll be less backlash. Whereas if you lean right, uh, or maybe you vote for Trump, maybe if you're a musician, you probably won't be as outspoken because you know there'll be a lot of backlash or you'll you'll have to fight with people or something like... Um, i'd like to get ripper owens on here because i know he's right wing and i think he's a trump supporter but i have nothing against ripper i'd love to talk to him about that stuff and same thing with uh phil me and him disagree on a lot but we also agree on a lot and you gotta learn from people who disagree with you by giving them the benefit of the doubt and so that's what i try and do and i'm glad that you're someone that seems to feel like you're more on the right in certain elements politically, but still listens to the show because my purpose is not to alienate. I want this to be welcome place for everyone. Even if you disagree with me, I always say, listen, the point isn't for for me to get you to think like me. I just owe you my honesty. And that's pretty much it. I owe you that if I'm going to be straight up and being honest is partially maybe telling you things maybe you don't want to hear. But unfortunately, that's that's kind of how, how it goes. But I would say, don't worry about it. Um, yeah, there are probably some people out there, and I've heard different artists who'll be like, if you support Trump, don't listen to my band. But I think that's the minority. I don't think there's that many of those people. And the truth is, I do pine for a time when this, when the, when political leanings were just not as important, you know, we kind of look at it now, like, uh, almost like a signifier, right? Like, uh, oh, I'm Christian. I'm into star Wars. And this is where I align politically. And that's how you kind of put yourself with people and, and tribalize yourself. And, and I think I understand why people do that, but. I think it has a lot of negative impacts, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. Listen to music you like. Um, understand that it goes always around. I mean, look how big Raging Against the Machine is, right? One of the biggest bands in the world, and also one of the ultimately socialist, uh, you know, social uh, justice leaning left bands. But most, I'm sure half the people, or most people like them, just like the music. It was like, oh, I identify with not liking authority or whatever. And they don't even really relate to it politically. I mean, Paul Ryan, who was a lead Republican in the House and uh, ran for vice, vice president, turns out he was a Rage Against the Machine fan. And... uh <laughs> And, you know, they kind of diss some stuff. So I, would, I I just wouldn't overthink it. Just listen to what you listen to. There's all kinds of people's work I enjoy that I don't agree with them politically. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be about that. You know, I can watch John Voight in a movie and realize he's a great actor and I love the work that he does and think he sounds like a complete lunatic when he t- talks about politics. But I don't require that. To enjoy his work. I just don't. And I don't really see why so many people feel like those things have to coincide. James Woods. I don't give a fuck what he thinks politically. He's fucking. James Woods in your movie is probably going to be pretty good. You know? And that goes for a million other people. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. Uh, and I apologize for my letter reading. Because the, <laughs> the lines are so long. By the time you get to the end, you're, you get confused about where, where, the, where the next thing goes. So that's mainly my fault. But it is what it is. I need to make, maybe move these to another area where they're a little bit smaller. Um, trying to think if I should go through the rest of his email here. Um, now, I think he's just talking about some other... Actually, okay, let's, he kind of goes back into, into it a little bit. There's some of stuff here. Um, he says, apologize for for bugging me and that he spends a lot of time alone and struggles with depression. I enjoy the, he enjoys the podcast. Um... Every every band you have been in. Also, wanted to ask you in God for, in the God forbid DVD you, when you and your brother were fighting in the van was that a real fight or just for entertainment value? Uh, so we did a we did a humorous reenactment, but the, we did have a real fight that did happen, but it was not captured on video. So we did a funny funny uh, take on it. Actually, it's funny d- during the fake fight. I actually kind of like messed up my shoulder. Which, which is messed up. Um, and then he says, I uh, hope everything in life is good and I don't hate you because of your political views. Thank you. And I will take time to listen to y'all <laughs> lefty side and at least try to understand it. I may not agree with it, but instead of criticize, I'll just take time to listen and vice versa. I think if more of us did, this world might slowly start to become a little bit of a better place. I will tell you what the election episode kind of reminded me of. A TED talk I watched on YouTube about an African-American jazz musician from New Jersey named Daryl Davis who attended KKK rallies just to understand. I'll link it in the email. Um, yeah, so thank you, Justin, for writing that. Sorry I was a little long, but we got through it. We got through it. Partially my, my blame for for poor re- reading it. Daryl Davis, I think he's one of the guys that does uh, kind of converts white supremacists and kind of gets them out of their, their thinking. And yeah, and I, and I agree with that mentality. That's the way you deal with that. I think people who are KKK, neo-Nazis, I think they're really, they've got a lot of issues and I think they feel lonely and they, and hate, you know, meeting hate with hate just pushes them further away. And you gotta, you know, and that, listen, takes a lot of discipline that punch a Nazi meme and when I say meme, I don't just mean like the meme in terms of seeing it as a meme. I, I mean, in just terms of meme in, in life, something that gets repeated and kind of becomes a, a mantra, I think is just, it's not effective. And I think I, I know I was talking to someone here on here, about this show. oh yeah, I was talking to Kim, Kim Kelly about that. You know, who who she is very much to the left of me. And it's important, you know, to have all those conversations. But I I agree with that. Dial Davis is, is, doing the Lord's work. All right, guys, I'm gonna get out of here. I'm, I only have one other show recorded. That's the one I have with Rob Caggiano coming up next week. But after that, I'm I got a clean slate. So I got to get to work, get some interviews done, hit some motherfuckers up, and get to and you know make this make this damn thing happen because we got a whole. New year. We're coming up on 150. So I need a special guest for 150. I got some ideas, but I got to get someone. I got to get a, a badass. All right. Love y'all. Happy fucking new year. Let's get away from 2020. Let's start fresh. Woosa, <sighs> right? You know, say it with me. Fuck 2020 Guys, year. It doesn't mean like things are going to be better the next day. It's not about that, but at least we can exercise a little bit of that and and hopefully look for a brighter future. And I believe that'll happen. And you gotta believe, you gotta believe every day, despite all of the challenges. So take care and mamba.